Hey friends, welcome back to Unshakable. This is part four of our study on the transgender movement that is sweeping across our country. Uh, if you've missed any of the first three episodes, strongly recommend you go back and watch those because we've been laying a foundation for why we need to speak up on this topic. And everything leads up to what we want to talk about today, and that is, as Christians, how do we respond well? Whether we're talking to somebody who is trans themselves or just somebody that feels strongly about the transgender movement, how do we respond well? And of course, our model in all things is Jesus, and we know that whenever he dealt with sinners, whenever he dealt with uh, sensitive topics, which this one is very sensitive, right? It's very political. There's a lot sort of circulating around it. He was full of grace and full of truth. So we want to make sure we try to strike that balance. We'll never do it perfectly as he did, but that is our goal. Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, as we're trying to strike that balance, we fall into error on one side or the other. And one side is to be so overly aggressive that people tune us out. Listen, it's a good thing to feel strongly about, about a topic, and, and this issue is serious. We talked about it last time. There's a lot of dangers involved, so it's good to feel strongly about speaking up. But if we come across so aggressive that we end up being condescending or demeaning to people or just plain hostile, that they tune us out, then we have not done our duty as ambassadors for Christ. So we want to be really, really careful not to fall into there, that error. Be confident, but don't be condescending. Now, the other side of the coin, the other error we can make is not being too aggressive, but being too passive. Basically wilting in the face of those who are towing the cultural line and have strong opinions and they're loud. And, and basically you take a step back because you're afraid to enter in on a sensitive topic. And I've seen a real shift in this with Christians in maybe the last 10 years or so, where we've now been conditioned to think that we're not allowed to speak in into difficult subjects. We're not allowed to put our ideas into the marketplace because then the world says, well, you're pushing your religion on us. But as we talked about last time, the transgender movement, the LGBT lobby, theirs is a religious uh, belief system. And they, they have no qualms about putting their beliefs into the conversation. So we shouldn't either. So that is a silencing tactic that the world is using. And so we can't believe their lies when they say, you're not allowed to have a, a, an opinion on this. You're, we don't want to hear your beliefs, but you have to hear our beliefs. So don't be kowtowed into silence in that. Remember that when we stand on the word of God, first of all, we have the Lord on our side. We have the spirit speaking through us. And we are, we're speaking what is true, what is healthy, what is good. We are preaching freedom rather than bondage to sin. So be confident in the truth. And, and just know, yes, listen, being countercultural is hard. It's going to require a couple of things. Number one, if you're going to step into these things, A, you've got to have courage. You've got to trust the Lord and have courage. But B, you've got to know the issues well. That's key, right? And that's part of why we here at Oak Hill, we want to continue to give you good content to inform your minds so that you can know the issues well, so that you can feel confident when you step into these conversations. So don't apologize. Don't soften what is true and healthy. Make sure that you speak confidently and firmly, but also with kindness, right? So that we're striking that balance between, between grace and truth, and then trust the Lord to both give you the words and to produce the results. Now, as we get into the really practical stuff about how do you engage in these conversations, let me reiterate something I said an episode or two ago, and that is make sure you make distinctions with your audience. Who is it that I'm talking to? What is their motivation? Are they, do they just have a sincere opinion about this, but they're open to that dialogue? 
Or are you entering in with a cultural bully who just wants to uh, start a fight, right? If they're just looking for a fight, then my suggestion would be do what Jesus uh, instructed the apostles to do. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. You can open the door for a future conversation, but not until they really want to have a sincere discussion. Don't, don't get baited into an argument that, that blows up and is completely unproductive. The reality is I have found that when cultural bullies try to take you on, and they're not really, it's not a good faith argument. They're not even responding well to the things you bring to the table. The best thing to do is to walk away, right? You look like the bigger person if you just walk away from that conflict knowing it's unproductive rather than standing there and fighting with that person. What we want to do is pray for and watch for people that want to have good faith discussions that are open to that conversation so that then we can bring truth and put that on the table as a, as a, as a basis for our discussion. So pray for that and then watch for opportunities to see what doors that God opens with people like that. Okay, a couple really practical principles when you're talking about topics like this. The first thing I would say is don't give in to unsubstantiated premises. In other words, when somebody just makes a statement, I'll give you an example. Sex and gender are two different things. Before you just jump on that and start into the debate, ask them to defend that position. Before we go on, tell me why you think that's true. Why can those two things be separated? And what is your source of truth on that? What is your source of authority? And this is for all Christians in all situations when we're sharing our faith, asking questions is really, really helpful. We don't always have to feel like we're on the defensive trying to justify what we believe. Go on the offense. Ask them questions. Ask them to defend what they believe. What is their worldview? And if, if the answers come back and they're, they're, they're weak or they're surfacy, keep pressing for the deeper answers. What you'll find is oftentimes the things they believe, their positions, are based on opinion. They're based on hearsay, but they're not actually rooted in any authority or truth. So let their inability, as you're asking questions, let their inability uh, to provide a good foundation for what they believe, let that sort of open their eyes to the fact that maybe they haven't thought this through. So ask good questions, clarifying questions. That will really help. Let me give you another example that I often hear. People say, well, look, uh, you enter into a dialogue and they say, well, the Bible says you're not supposed to judge, so why are you judging trans people? Take a deep breath before you just jump into that and say, have you read the New Testament? That's a great question. Tell me what you've read about the New Testament. Do you know where Jesus actually said that? Do you know the context of that? Keep asking those questions, right? And when they begin to say, well, I'm not really sure, well, then you can explain it to them, but also Take it to their lot. Say, look, let me, let me, if you don't think we should ever judge, let me take you to a logical extreme and then give them an example. So, for example, you know, do you think Christians should judge rapists as morally wrong? And of course they'll say, well, yeah, of course. So then you're like, so judgments have to be made. Can we agree on that? Judgments have to be made. Where is the line for that judgment? Where is your line? Right? So you're starting to ask them questions. What authority do you have in your life? Here's my authority to make judgments because we all judge. Again, asking clarifying questions is very, very important. So you should probably be the one speaking less. And I say that again to Christians who are sharing their faith, asking good questions, letting them see that they really don't know anything about the Christian faith, right? Or they don't even, they're not even sure what they believe. That's really important to getting people to see the truth. Speak less, listen better, ask clarifying questions. The second principle, and this is really very specific to the trans argument, is don't give in to emotional blackmail. 
And this is very common right now. People are saying out there, listen, if you don't affirm trans people in their identity, then you hate them, right? That then, then they're likely to harm themselves or even commit suicide. So therefore, you have to affirm them. Otherwise, you bring harm into their life. Uh, call that out for what that is. That is emotional blackmail. Ask the question, are you responsible for, for everybody else's reaction to what you think and what you believe? And let me turn that onto, uh, onto its head. If, if I were to tell you as a Christian, if you don't agree with what I believe, should I, should I then um, assume that you hate me? Uh, should that drive me to despair, possibly even suicide because you don't affirm what I believe? Would you have to become a Christian for me to feel validated and not harm myself? That might help them see the, the foolishness of that logic, that we just have to keep affirming everybody in everything or else they might do harm to themselves. What that really is is mental illness, and we should call that out for what it is. Okay, last thing I have time for today, and the question is asked, what if a trans person came to church? What if they came on Sunday morning into our worship service? What would we do? It's a good question. It's important to think about these things in advance, and our elder team has. We have had this conversation specifically about what if a gay couple came into church, what would we do? It'd be the same principles with a trans individual. And the first thing would be discerning the motivation. Why are they there, right? We don't want to just treat people as a collective and say, well, if they're trans, they must be this or that, right? If they're there sincerely seeking the truth about God, about Jesus, about what it means to be a, be a Christian, fantastic, right? If they're an activist who have come to just be disruptive or create a scene, that would take us down a different path. But assuming that they are sincere and seeking truth, amen, we're, we want to welcome sinners in the door, right? Because we've been there. We're all sinners, right? Saved by God's grace. So we'd be thrilled to have somebody come in who is sincerely looking to figure out what God has to say about their lives and about who Jesus is and how they can be saved. And we would want them mixing with believers so they can see what it means to be a part of, a, of an authentic Christian community. So that's huge. Now, that would be the mindset. The practical side of that is as elders, we would want to have a private conversation with that person. And, and we would want to probably set something up to get coffee and to talk to them because if they're obviously trans, we want to, we want to get a face-to-face -face with them to talk about uh, what God's Word has to say about sex and gender, right? And listen, that conversation would have to be absolutely covered with prayer. We'd want to be kind and gracious, but also truthful, and to letting them know what our authority is for things like sex and gender, and to get their agreement that if they're going to come and be a part of our body, that that's their desire too, to know what God has to say about the subject, and to make sure we express to them our desire if they're willing to shepherd them through that process. And of course, that'd be a great privilege to be able to do that. Now, how they respond to that conversation uh, would dictate next steps. If they're contentious or they get hostile to that, well, then we know what their true heart motivation is. But if they're, if they're willing and they say, okay, we understand, we want to continue to hear more, then amen, let's walk through that process. Now, let, let, me, let me leave you with this as well, because we might, get, we might get accused of saying, well, why are you creating a different standard for trans people? That, that seems uh, like you're exclusionary. Um, no, the, the, we, we would want to deal with any sexual sin that comes into the door. We'd want to make sure that, for example, let's say somebody came in on Sunday and wanted to worship with us, but we found out they're living in an adulterous relationship. 
we wouldn't just let them keep coming Sunday after Sunday without pulling them aside and having that conversation and saying, brother or sister, you need to fix that. That is outside God's will. Or if somebody were living with their boyfriend or girlfriend, same thing. We'd want to have that private conversation. Again, seasoned with grace, but to say, look, this is what God's word has to say about that subject. So any sexual sin like that, trans, gay, uh, adultery, fornication, we're going to want to have that conversation, again, out of love and concern for that person, because we know aligning with God's will on those things is good and it's healthy. So we're not going to back away from that hard conversation. That's very, very important. Okay, uh, a lot for you guys to sort of ingest. Um, four episodes on transgenderism. If you guys have any questions or you want to flesh any of this out with me, reach out, send me a text, let's get coffee, let's talk about it some more. It's been great going through this stuff. Look forward to the next one. Until then, remain unshakable and keep loving each other well.